Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Well, hi, Deconstructionist listeners. This is Science Mike. And before you get started with your beloved podcast, I've got a quick bit of exciting news to share with you. I'm going on tour this fall to support my new book, Finding God in the Waves, with a series of special events, including Ask Science Mike live appearances. The dates announced so far are going to be in Tallahassee, Denver, Nashville, Columbus, Atlanta, Chicago, and Grand Haven, as well as Portland. Now, if you're going to come to any of those, I'd love to see you, but pay special attention to the Columbus, Ohio event, because I heard that the Deconstructionist crew themselves are going to be there. So I'd love to hang out with you and the hosts of one of my favorite podcasts at the same time. You can learn more by going to findinggodinthewaves.com slash tour. Thanks, and I hope to see you soon. know when you're in a mind control cult when someone is telling you uh don't read a book because you'll be in sin it's like run and read it you know if someone's telling you something on that level you know that there's something really wrong and have faith in your own intelligence and your own ability to read and and think about whether or not something is real or something is true or not Deconstructionist Podcast is produced by Nicholas Rowe at the National Audio Preservation Society Recording Studio in Newark, Ohio. Follow us on social media at www.thedeconstructionist.com, on Facebook at Deconstructionist Podcast, Twitter at Deconstructcast, and Instagram at Deconstructionist Podcast. If listening to this podcast has benefited you in any way, or if you have connected with it, or it's resonated somewhere with you, consider making a donation. Even the smallest donations go to help John and I maintain healthy relationships with our wives and keeps their blood pressure at a healthy level. The donate link is in the show notes, or you can visit our website and click the donate tab. Everybody, welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. We are your hosts. I am Adam Narlock, 
And I am John Williamson. What do we got? Boy, do we have a treat for you. What do we what do we have here, John? We have <laughs> <laughs> look, every once in a while, like this we like nuts. to go off the beaten path. This is just off, a little. This is great off it, the beaten path material. But yet it still applies. Oh my gosh. Especially with uh in the current context of what's going on around the world with yeah. like the the rise of ISIS or ISIL or whatever in the whatever, world it's called, yeah, right? Whatever now. the hell it's called. I don't even know. Scientology. Yes. Um, weird stuff going on all over the place. The, yeah. me- the media has yeah. gone completely nuts. Crazy. Have you noticed how nuts the media is? I don't even pay attention to I it can't, anymore. I can't watch the news anymore. Nope. Nope. I watch Canadian news where they talk about like the new speed bump they put in. <laughs> that to me is like, this is, I feel a lot less uh, of a mess as a human being after uh, watching your news. So absolutely. thank you, Canada. So what, who is this? what do we got here? What tasty treat uh, we did have... you line up for us? Because this is all you, man. This yeah. is like your thing. So I heard this guy on uh, a podcast um, probably almost like two years ago now. He's on the Joe Rogan Experience. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes too, right? Definitely. That's a good podcast. Yeah, you guys should listen to that one because only because he does like three-hour-long podcasts. And so he had this guy for three hours. Right. Ours is not that long. No. But uh, his name is Steve Hassan, and he is considered one of the foremost experts um, in regards to cults. Yeah. Or like destructive kind of um mind control mind controlling institutions organizations if you will so this week we spoke to steve and he is uh he was i should say a part of one of the biggest cults back in the 70s dude as a youngster out of college i still can't believe it i mean i'm sitting here going are you serious right now like when he tells his story yeah (laughs) And like a high-ranking member, too. Super nuts. Yeah, he was like the Tom Cruise of the Moonies. He was. <laughs> <laughs> Selling flowers outside I'm, grocery stores, I'm you know? So, I'm sorry, Steve, that I just called you Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. He's a handsome man. I mean, Absolutely. you know, just fewer movie credits, I think. So, <laughs> but, uh, but Steve was a, you know, he was a, uh, he tells a story a little bit in this episode, which is just absolutely fascinating. I think you guys will enjoy that. Um, he is, uh, after though his time in the Moonies, uh, he became a licensed mental health counselor, mm. um, and a nationally certified counselor and basically went into, you know, psychology and counseling and, uh, tried to figure out like what makes these organizations tick? Like, how could I, as a, as an intelligent, you know, individual, how could I have fallen prey to this and, and what tactics do these groups use? Mm. Um, and how did this happen? Dude, how did yeah. this happen? That's basically like what his work all seeks to address. Yeah. How does this happen? How can we keep this from happening? Right. How can and we keep our minds free? How can you help friends and family members that fall prey to this as well? So he's written a couple books while in the show notes that, that are uh, uh, best-selling guides to protection, rescue, and recovery from destructive cults. Um, and this dude has been on numerous TV shows, 60 Minutes, Fox News, Larry King Live, Good Morning America, CNN, The Today Show. And on and on and on. Oprah, Dr. Yeah. Phil. Nightline, NPR. <laughs> I mean, dude, yeah. He is highly, highly sought after. And, and you know what? After interviewing him, now I know why. Yeah. I mean, that guy could go all day. We barely had to ask him questions. I mean, he's just a absolute wealth of information. Unbelievable. That is so interesting. I was yeah. totally gripped that whole interview. Yeah, I mean, I highly recommend his book. Um, I plowed through this thing. I mean, it took a little, little bit. It's a, it's a fairly sizable book. Um, he's added additional chapters over the years. Um, I think it was originally written, and this is just off the cuff, in the late 80s, early yeah. 90s. Yeah, yeah. I think it was late 80s. 
So he's added uh, various other case studies and and just stories and uh, other organizations that have that have cropped up since then, um, including you know um, sex trafficking and the fact that they use similar tactics um, and and um, you know terrorist organizations like ISIS and ISIL use similar tactics. Uh, so it, it's just. It's all encompassing and it's fascinating because it involves other groups beyond just the normal, you know, crazy documentaries that we all like to watch, like The Family. (laughs) And you would think that after his experience and all of his education, that he would be somebody who is deeply anti religious. Yeah. You would think that, like, he would basically be calling all religions like a form of mind control. And I know there's probably a lot of listeners out here Mm -hmm. that kind of feel that way. Right. But you're going to see something a little bit different um, from what he says. And we'll just let uh, the interview speak for itself a little bit here. Yeah. So without further ado, here is Steve freaking Hassan. In the state of Huntress, you see me as I am. And I see you as you are. More than a physical scar So come on, let it all fall down And wrap the sheets around Hold me Wash your body Make it easy. Well, Steve Hassan, we are delighted to have you on the Deconstructionist Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for your patience. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things, one of the questions we like to to ask just to start off our guests so that our uh, audience can get a little background um, is just how were, you know, if you could tell us a little bit about how you were raised, were you raised, raised in a uh, particularly religious household and, and that sort of thing, and, and what part of the country are you from? Um, so I'm from Flushing, Queens, New York. Mm. I was born in in uh, 1954, so I turned 62 this past May, and I was raised in a conservative Jewish upbringing where my family kept kosher, and I uh, went to temple on Saturdays, and pretty much was bar mitzvahed, and by that point was disillusioned with the Judaism wow. that I was taught as a very... Um, formal like god as a zeus like being Mm -hmm. out there somewhere and you should follow the rules and otherwise you should feel guilty and i just really could not relate to any god that you know was happy that the firstborn was killed even though the central exodus story is so you know major (laughs) in judaism and um honestly uh Still identified strongly as a Jew, felt, you know, was educated about the Holocaust, um, went to Israel. I was on a, a, a archaeological dig in the Negev uh, desert wow. at Tel Beersheba, wow. the famous biblical city of Beersheba. Wow. Um, and, um, but in my story, I basically was dumped by my girlfriend when I was an upper junior in college and three women who pretended to be students there recruited me into a front group of the moon cult, oh. which most young people have no idea what that is. But if you Google Sun Young Moon, uh, Washington Times, mass weddings, you can uh, learn about this demagogue who is now deceased, but he 
claimed to be 10 times greater than Jesus Christ. Uh, Buddha, Muhammad, all have bowed to him in the spirit world, along with dead presidents and other spiritual luminaries. And uh, I spent two and a half years in this delusionary extremist belief system that we needed to destroy the the evil democracy uh, and set up a theocracy to establish God's kingdom on the earth and, and create the kingdom of heaven and the Garden of Eden. And it was going to be through Moon and his family and these mass weddings and stadiums of strangers to each other. Holy cow. And uh, it, I had a radical personality change. Uh, and in my story, I was uh, made to be a, a top American leader, groomed by Moon himself and several other top leaders. And I fell asleep at the wheel of a van due to sleep exhaustion and crashed the van and broke my leg rather, rather seriously. And it was when I was away from the group in the hospital that I reached out to my sister, who I was always very close with. And and she lured me home to see her son, my nephew, who I had never met because I was in the cult, and um, made her promise not to tell my parents that I was visiting because they were evil and satanic. <laughs> they were my physical parents, and Moon and his wife were my true parents. Wow, man. I, I believed. And uh, fortunately, she broke her promise, told my parents. They hired some ex-Moonies. And there was a five-day deprogramming in which I it started involuntarily, became voluntary, and then I I woke up on the fifth day and went, "Oh my God, what happened to me? Like, how could I have ever believed that Moon was the Messiah? This is so crazy." And um, it was that dramatic. It was that like it was. It, it was very dramatic. Uh, so in my in my experience, I had this new pseudo identity that was so elitist and black and white, us versus them, and do whatever father orders without hesitation, because Satan is about to invade me at any moment if I don't, you know, do immediately what God tells me to do. Oh my gosh. And my real self was suppressed utterly to the point where they asked me to throw away my poetry and I threw away 400 original works um, to demonstrate my loyalty. Cut off from my family, dropped out of college, donated my bank account. And so... um, Grief. And in in the... You know, in the news lately, we're hearing about ISIS, we're hearing about traffickers, we're hearing about all kinds of extreme radical personality shifts of people. And in my opinion, it's the same phenomenon, just, you know, 2016 instead of 1976. So it's internet-oriented and much more sophisticated even than what I experienced. But so in my in my coming waking up moment, uh, and it was actually uh, the, the the ex-members asking me to read one of Moon's speeches. So they weren't like telling me I was thinking wrong. They were just in, really encouraging me to think. Oh my god! Like, gosh. what do I think of this? And what do I think of that? And they asked me to read this uh, this uh, document that the cult had published about how Moon was talking to senators and congressmen, and he was saying to them, you know, one 
One issue of controversy is that I am brainwashing American youth. I have one question to this audience of distinguished American ladies and gentlemen. Are Americans really that foolish? Could they really be brainwashed by me, Reverend Moon, a Korean? I know your answer is no. My answer is no, too. I respect Americans very much, and no American is so foolish. And as soon as I finished reading that sentence, I had a critical thought for the first time in two and a half years of what a snake. Wow. Wow. What a liar. But a liar, I had heard him no less than a hundred times in person say how stupid Americans were and how the Koreans were the master race and how our brains were dirty and they needed to be brainwashed. And I had three former members right in front of me saying, I was that foolish. They lied. They lied to us. (laughs) We We did not have informed consent when we were being recruited. We did not know what was happening to us. We were lured to an isolated location and they indoctrinated us into this extremist belief system. So could you tell us just a little bit more about how you were lured? I know we're probably going to get into some of that stuff in a little bit, but I I remember hearing a little bit more about this in the past, and uh, I would love to hear a little bit more about that specific part of the bio. Yeah, I can tell you about my story, or I can talk more generically about, you know, modern-day lures. But, I mean, in my case... Pre-internet, recruiters relied on um, asking really penetrating good questions to people and people being willing to share everything about what they thought and their upbringing and their relationship with their parents and their siblings and what they majored in and their hopes and their dreams and their fears. These days, you can go on Facebook and read, you know, and find out all kinds of much more detailed information about people. So in that sense, it's much easier to manipulate people now than back in the 70s. But, I mean, for me, I there were, these women were flirting at me, with me. Wow. I mean, it was really that simple. I was not looking to change religions. I was not looking to drop out of college. Uh, And they represented themselves as part of a student movement, wanting to make the world a better place. And being Jewish, I was raised with a consciousness to improve myself and to improve the world. So uh, that was uh, a match for me. And um, then it was an invitation to a free dinner. And then the free dinner had a free lecture. And I was asking questions and they would be like, that's a really good question. We'll, We'll get to that later. Uh, which is when I'm giving talks and preventive education talks, my, my, uh, one of my messages is be an educated consumer, do independent research before you put yourself in, in the direct sites of any recruiter of any group. Maybe the group's legitimate, maybe it's not. But if the group is legitimate, it will stand up to scrutiny. It will stand, they, people will actually answer your questions. That's great. Concrete specific way, whereas the destructive groups are going to change, change, deflect, uh, turn it around on you, all kinds of different manipulation patterns. And um, yeah, and the burden, the burden of proof is if somebody says we are have something better, or we have something different, that's better than anything else, the burden of proof is on them to prove it and not on us to disprove it. And um, 
And anyone who's doing the hard sell, like, you know, Armageddon's going to happen any moment. And if it happens right now, are you going to be ready? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got to get you over and baptize you because your soul is at risk, you know. Man. Yeah. Come on over. We'll take care of you because <laughs> you want to be invaded by evil spirits. Oh, I don't believe in evil spirits. Well, they believe in you. Just because you don't believe in them doesn't mean they don't believe in you and want you. Man. Um, and uh, I should also add, I know I'm dating myself, but in <laughs> 1974, the Exorcist movie came out. Yes. Yes. And Moon actually rented an entire theater in Manhattan and bused 300 members to watch the Exorcist movie and brought us up to Tarrytown where he gave a speech about how God made the Exorcist movie. And this movie was a prophecy of, of what would happen to people if they left the Unification Church. Oh, wow. my, my mouth is just hanging I wide open right now. It. Yeah. I believed it. And I grew up not believing in Satan <laughs> at all, being yeah. a Jew. And I was afraid of my thoughts. I was afraid of evil entities. I was afraid if I was nodding out, it was because of evil spirits and not because I was only sleeping three to four hours a night and I needed seven to nine hours of sleep. Yeah, talk, talk about that a little bit. I, I know you, you mentioned that in your book, the idea of devils and, and the different forms that they can manifest for um, various cults and the way that they kind of use you know family members and friends kind of against you uh and and you isolate you from them so talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit mm. i thought that was fascinating so i mean the at the point that i woke up i uh, one of the books that helped me the most was robert j lifton's book called thought reform and the psychology of totalism he was an air force psychiatrist studying chinese communist brainwashing of the 1950s and his famous chapter 22 he outlined eight criteria that any environment may, may be judged as a brainwashing environment. So it gave me a, a framework for understanding uh, what the process was. Because when I was in the Moonies, I didn't feel brainwashed. I thought I was having a true religious exper experience. Right. Um, but then as I, I exited, I just was uh, needing to read books on psychology and influence and brainwashing and persuasion and just to do self-therapy also, because I was recruiting and indoctrinating people, but not with anyone explaining what all the mechanisms and techniques were. I was just kind of doing what I was told to do and, 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 and modeling myself after uh, older members. One, one of the early books I read in 1976 was by Eric Hoffer called The True Believer, and he wrote in 1954 that the, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, but the strength and, and uh, uh, effectiveness of a mass movement could be judged by the vividness and tangibility of its devils. Whoa, interesting. And, um, and as later, as I evolved my work, became a licensed mental health professional, uh, became an author. I evolved a model based on Lifton's model, which I called the bite model awesome. of mind control. Uh, the B stands for behavior control mechanisms. The I stands for information control mechanisms. The T is for thought control and the E is emotional control. Um, 
and the reason I'm I'm spelling that out right now to get back to fear is that you know it turns out that phobias and fear, along with guilt, uh, is one of the most universal mind control techniques to to short circuit people's ra- rational, critical, logical minds wow. and make people. Uh, you know, triggering their amygdala and their deepest brain brain um, stem, uh, old brain functions to for survival, and um, and and uh, this installation of irrational fears that if you question the leader or the doctrine or the organizational policy terrible things are going to happen to you. <laughs> and in, in my book, um, Freedom of Mind, I have a whole chapter on the most common phobias I've encountered in my 40 years of helping people. Things like, if you leave, you'll get cancer. If you Whoa. leave, you'll get hit by a car. If you leave, you'll uh, be unloved. If you leave, you'll be possessed by evil spirits. If you leave... And 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 I have like four pages single space of the most common phobias, and it, it's it's part of how I help people wake up and get out of these groups is to show them how universal phobia indoctrination is by showing them how other groups, not theirs in the beginning, how other groups that they would immediately agree are really cults and are really bad. Uh, and then after I lay, make the case for how these, these phobias exist to control people and all these other organizations, then I ask them, so tell me, do you think it's possible for you to leave your group and be happy and fulfilled? Wow. wow. man! And then I give a long silence. Like, have you ever met someone who's left your organization and is spiritual and happy and fulfilled? And then there's this long silence. <laughs> and then they, if they're really programmed, they're going to say, no, it's not possible for someone to be happy if they leave Father or if they leave the children of God or if they leave Scientology or if they leave the Jehovah's Witnesses. Because you're leaving God. You're leaving God's people. You're leaving the chance for salvation. Um, Man. And my, my work is... You know, I, I, I am a Jew. I belong to a temple for 18 years. It's a very non-dogmatic temple where we are into asking questions as opposed to black and white, you know, answers that people have to memorize. Um, and the, the, the universals with all the, uh, the three primary Abrahamic faiths, uh, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, uh, is the Garden of Eden story. Mm. However you want to understand that metaphor, that story, the God of all those religions understand that the, the God, Almighty God, Almighty Allah, could have made Adam and Eve robots or could have made them slaves right. where they were completely obedient. But in the divine plan, God wanted them to have choice. Freedom, yes. And Almighty God, beyond space and time, must have known that they weren't going to be obedient, too. Right. So any group that's coming into your face, into your life, saying, we are God's agents and you must do Chinese communist brainwashing (laughs) techniques in order to be a devoted follower is not following the divine plan. 
And it's, you know, it's a very effective, you know, call to thoughtfulness and reason and reality testing for people to go, hmm, there are all these thousands of groups. They're all saying they're following God. They all have different rules. They all have different leaders. But look at these patterns of behavior control and information control and thought control and emotional control. These are universals. Yes. And it even applies to political organizations. It even applies to personality, you know, narcissistic personality disordered individuals who enslave an individual without any religion, uh. just enslaving another human being. Man. Or a pimp who's enslaving a sex worker so that they can make a lot of money. It's the same mechanisms. And is, am I right to think that the mechanism that you're speaking of primarily comes down to the root of fear, that they're using fear? Because one of the things that John and I noticed when we, we started this podcast is we are compelled in certain ways to open up what we call the safe place for people to just think for themselves, to take the journey for themselves, to not, we, we have this language that we throw around called people need to stop doing this thing we call belief by proxy. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, you've got a proxy, you've got the father or the mother or the priest or the pastor or the, the author or whoever, and it's that person and that's it. And you've got all of this unconscious bias, confirmation bias, that's all predicated on fear. And the thing that you said early on in, in our interview, you said, you know, it, it'll stand up to scrutiny if it's true. If it's truly, truly true, it'll stand up to scrutiny. They will answer and welcome your questions. And I wonder if, right. if you could just talk a little bit more about like why um, fear is such an important thing to be aware of. Well, I mean, the the, the it's one component. I would say under the E of bite model, mm. I would say making people feel chosen, making people feel special. Like they are the, you know, elite is also an important emotional manipulation. But, and I would also say guilt is also huge. Yes. Uh, that the, the standards of, you know, you shouldn't masturbate, you shouldn't think of, you know, right. uh, uh, of, of uh, you know, X, Y, and Z, and therefore you should feel guilty or you should feel guilty because, you know, America dropped the atomic bomb in World War II, or you should feel guilty because, uh, you know, your 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 ancestors did X, Y, or Z. So I'd say that that's feeling special and elite is a is a key part of the emotional uh, manipulation, but not but feeling elite to the point where you're putting everyone else down, right? As opposed to just feeling good about being alive and being blessed by God and 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 feeling part of of humanity, you know, it's it's a one up superior put down superiority, thing. right? Yeah. Um. So the truth is, is as I see it, the human species is evolving, and um, we like to think that we're rational beings, but we're not. We like to think we're individuals, but in fact, we're hardwired neuropsychologically to conform to people in our environment. We're hardwired to, to follow who we consider to be legitimate authority figures. We're hardwired to following shortcuts Absolutely. in the sense of scripts, of 
you are, you know, an American and therefore you should behave like this, this, and this, or you are in the military and you need to behave like this, this, and this. Right. Um, or, um, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're a special, uh, agent and you need to have a phony name and <laughs> go on the cover and harm lots of people that your country tells you to go and harm because of some some unknown leader up the ranks who tells you this is what you need to do man wow wow one of the things that you kind of touched on a little bit that i would love for you to go into because um, this was eye-opening for me as i read your book um, you talk about in the book the various types of cults and what constitutes a cult. Yeah. Um, I was wondering because a lot of people I know out there, and you even mentioned this in your book, a lot of people listening would be surprised to hear that you also group in uh, domestic abuse survivors, sex trafficking, uh, even some multi level marketing businesses and sweatshops. Um, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and I would say most of us would probably think of like the Branch Davidians or, you know, our parents' generation would probably think of you know, like the Moonies and, uh, you know, some of the cults, uh, you know, like Jonestown and that sort of thing. So if you could, I know you talk about the four main types of cults. Um, if you could go into that a little bit, I think that'd be really interesting. Sure. Um, so I guess I want to start by, by um, in, inviting everyone to s imagine an influence continuum where a line to your left is ethical influence healthy influence and aligned to the right is unethical influence and understand themes of ethical influence respects your uniqueness, your individuality, your free will. It, it, it gives you informed consent so people know what they're getting into. They're free to join. They're free to leave. There are checks and balances. Leaders are accountable and honest and responsible. So that's the left side. And I would add families. Uh, healthy families want their children to grow up to be individuated, healthy adults. I would add that. Because yeah. mm -hmm. there are family cults that are on the right side of the continuum where the goal is obedience and dependency. The goal is not to be your authentic self. It's to be the group self or the in the image of the leader self, a false self or pseudo self or cloned self. Um, and so there's a split in the right side of the continuum, the destructive cult side of things where you are suppressing your authentic self mm. in order to be a good member, where you're suppressing your doubts, you're suppressing your feelings you're 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 mouthing the words you're recruiting people but it in your conscience in your heart it's like the you know dead right um and and so what i'm trying to say to you and your listeners is that cult, get out of the word cult as in and of itself a bad thing but there are cults where you have freedom to join and freedom to leave leave and you can be yourself and you can be really into a video game or into a rock band or really into some you know spiritual leader but it's not you know it's it's about love it's about truth it's about free will 
and so great. And but the it's the dark side that I've focused my my the pre- predominance of my work um, to help people step back and get in touch with their real self and and to give themselves permission that to to be in touch with their thoughts and their feelings to know that they have choice to know that that um that that there's more to life than just you know uttering the 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 loaded language of of the closed system um and and so furthermore so there's one-on-one cults of some narcissistic psychopath that yeah. you know makes people could be a male or a female that enslaves a person to become essentially isolated from family and friends and work for free and don't turn over all their money and do whatever pleases the other person it also could be a an unethical therapist who wow. keeps people dependent instead of te- teaching them tools for how to function and move them on, move them out of the practice. Man. Could be a large group awareness training where they're saying, we're going to help you transform, but they really are interested in hooking you for the next workshop and the next workshop and the next workshop and recruiting all your family and friends, Jeez. even if you alienate them. Could be a multi-level marketing group where they make all these extreme promises for untested products and they say you're going to be a millionaire part-time and everybody's losing money and the government has said this is a scam. Wow. A pyramid seems scam, but they're still using the same psychological techniques of sales and indoctrination. Um, It could be a political party, could be a religious group, could be um, well, North Korea is kind of the uh, quintessential state-run, you know, mind control cult. Man, where one loves the great leader, or else they go get shot, or they get put in jail, or they get exiled. Unbelievable. Your, your choices. Um, so the the point is 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 that I really want everyone to understand is freedom of mind. That's the meme. That's my company's name, and 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 I want people to know it's your mind, and the locus of control for your mind should be in you and mm. someone else. And so the locus of control should be with you, where you are able to have full access to your your thoughts, your feelings, your, you have choices of your behavior where you can read what you want to read and decide for yourself if it's, if it's true or not. Um, I met with a woman in California last week who was in a Bible cult uh, started by Kip McKean. I wrote about this group in my, in my book, Combating Cult Mind Control. And she was actually present when Kip McKean held up my book in 1989 saying that 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 I was a wolf in sheep's clothing. This was to a, a meeting of 15,000 wow. uh, believers in this cult. Holy cow. This shepherding discipleship cult and and basically marked me even though I wasn't a member and and he basically said people would be in sin if they read my book or talked to me. Good <laughs> lord. That's when you know you've so, made it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You put that on your resume? You no, know, when you're in a mind control cult when <laughs> yeah. someone is telling you uh, don't read a book cuz you'll be in sin, it's like run and read it. You know, if someone's yeah. telling you 
something on that level, you know that there's something really wrong. And have faith in your own in- intelligence and your own ability to read and, and think about whether or not something is real or something is true or not. When I was stoned, when I wasn't fully grown, I let calm wash over my feet. Let me rest my worries. And laying down to the sea with hair is only That is so good, man. That is so good. You're, tu- you're touching on really kind of what John and I are all about in a lot of ways. Uh, we see I, well, let me phrase a question before I put words in your mouth. I want to ask you a question. The spectrum that you laid out, I get excited, Steve. I, I get very excited, so I'm excited <laughs> right now. The, spe- cool. the spectrum that you laid out um, I think it's really helpful for people to start to think in these terms of, you know, what, what's healthy and what's unhealthy. Now, uh, a conclusion I'm drawing from that myself that I want to get you to speak to is it, they aren't, this isn't a binary, is it? It's not you're either in an unhealthy situation or you're in a completely healthy situation. Is there infiltrating in certain, you know, harmless religious institutions, churches, organizations, um, some of the unhealthy that you can, you don't have to necessarily get the heck out of there, but you can start to exhibit healthier functionality and participation in a group, even though you start to see some things happening, you know, on, on a small level, you know, I just think of any religious. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not, it's not binary at all. And the four components are overlapping components. I mean, and the other thing is, in, uh, so I have this graphic of the influence continuum that I just described in combating cult mind control at the end of chapter three. I have another graphic that I think is also important. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, if you want to take a snapshot of it and put it up on your podcast website, you're welcome to do oh, it. Thank there's you. A, there's a pyramid uh, then I have circles emanating from the base of the pyramid. And for me, you can be in the outside perimeters of a group and still be in a mind control cult. Mm. It's not going to be as extreme an experience as someone who's a staff member or someone who's living in some compound. Right. Right. So there are different levels of involvement too and some people can be in a group for 10 years and be at different points within the pyramid or outside of the pyramid but they're still hooked so i'll have people telling me tom cruise he's how could he be in a mind control cult he's a he's a wealthy actor he flies around the world well he's surrounded by scientologists wow yeah he's entirely you know indoctrinated so he's internalized the system of L. Ron Hubbard, and um, and in my opinion, he's absolutely under influenced and mind controlled. And despite all of the former leaders who've left, who said, "Yeah, he's never going to leave," I think everybody has the potential oh, to wake up and leave, especially if you have a child. And and the child does not in. I think love is stronger than mind control. That is awesome. And I'm for I'm for love. I'm for the religion of love as opposed to fear and guilt. Yes. yes. And, and unity as opposed to division. Yes. And, we like those things. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and bringing out the best in each other and not the worst in each other and finding common ground. Oh, that's good. Man, that's good stuff. Good juice, man. So one of the things that I that I think, uh, I, I mean, I just loved your book. I just want to put that out there right now. <laughs> Adam's, so did you write a review on Amazon? Oh, I will. I will. I Right Please now, do. my copy is covered in uh, yellow highlighter. So uh, <laughs> yes. But uh, cool. one of the things that I thought was really interesting, because I'll be honest, uh, reading through this book is not only interesting because you put a lot of case studies and a lot of examples of uh, other individuals who are members of various different uh, cults and their experiences, but... Um, I think you dispelled a lot of misnomers, uh, at least that I had, and I'm sure many others, you know, who are listening and who, who will read the book, uh, you know, will, mm-hmm. will, will notice as they go along. But one of them was, um, where you kind of make the distinction between mind control and brainwashing mm. and the idea that we have this, this funny idea of what brainwashing is like anyone who's been to a university, they always bring in a hypnotist and, you always think, oh, it's my weak-minded friend who, you know, you made him cluck like a chicken or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think we kind of pass that that misnomer on to people who join cults, right? We think that they are weak-minded uh, and, and that they're fools, and I could never end up in a cult. And you completely dispel that. And so I was wondering if you could go into that a little bit, the difference between the two, and who do they target? Okay, well, um, I would start by answering that the single most important principle of social psychology is called the fundamental attribution error. And what that error is, this is universal, so it, you know, people around the world have the same bias, the same mistake. When people are trying to understand why other people do things, there's this overwhelming tendency to overestimate individual variables and underestimate social, environmental, contextual variables. Yeah. So why did Steve get into the Moonies? Steve must have been weak. He must have been stupid. He must have needed a strong authority figure. He must have been not had a good religious education, whatever. Versus Steve's girlfriend dumped him, three women flirted with him, lied to him got all kinds of personal information from him and systematically manipulated him to an isolated retreat where they controlled his behavior, information, thoughts, and emotions for three days. And he came to believe he had a spiritual experience that God was calling him. Man. And so he changed his life. So, so, and, and so the, the, the notion here that I want to say is that there are thousands and thousands of social psychology experiments that demonstrate that we are biological organisms that are wired with mirror neurons where we are adapting to people in our environment unconsciously all the time, mm-hmm. where we are following people who speak charismatically who may be a senior in our church or in our synagogue or whatever and we are going to um want to listen to them and and expect that what they're saying is true uh versus that they're lying or they're a manipulator we're going to give people the benefit of the doubt <clears throat> um 
And that likewise with the Zimbardo prison study, that if we're put in an environment and we're given scripts, you're the prisoner, you're the guard, you're going to behave as if that's what your role is. Oh, and, right, yep, right, yep. right. And, and, and you put someone in a one-down position where you have a number, you're no longer a person, you have a number, and you're wearing a, a chain around your, your, your ankle, and I'm a prison guard, and I have a billy club, and I get sun mirrored sunglasses. You're going to change how people behave towards each other. Man. It's just human nature. So, so wake up, everybody, and stop you know, looking at some of the people doing terrorist acts saying, oh, they're really, you know, psychos. Some of them are, but a lot of people are from middle class, upper class families, high education, and they were deceptively recruited online, typically, and indoctrinated into ISIS's uh, worldview, which is black and white, us versus them, good versus evil. We're the underdogs, but God has summoned you, 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 and you, to to do the great work to save the planet. Man. And um, a lot of people, and I should also add, they, they, they use video game music and video game analogies. They use movies like The Matrix. They, they, they're, they're calling on social cultural memes and associations that young people especially are going to resonate with. Mm. Um, now, going back to your comment about college hypnotists, so there's a lie that most college hypnotists tell in all their presentations, which is that you can't, you will never do something in a trance that you wouldn't ordinarily agree to do. Really? Yeah, that's just not true. It's convenient in terms of sucking people into going on stage and oftentimes making fools of themselves. <laughs> but I don't know too many people who would want to be made a fool of intentionally no. in front of an audience. No. That's a good point. <laughs> I unintentionally make a fool of myself a lot. <laughs> yeah. Right, me too. But the, the, the thing about hypnosis is that it is not sleep. It is actually an altered state of consciousness where you have high concentration, high absorption, and your critical rational reasoning ability is mostly offline. So you are entering into the flow. Very vulnerable. So... I don't know anyone who's a great um, sports figure or musician or dancer um, who, who doesn't want to get into that state so they can perform at a much higher level, mm -hmm. right? If you, for example, if you're, I like to play basketball. So if you're a professional basketball player and you um, want to get, 90% free throw shots. You have to be able to learn how to negatively hallucinate sound, like all the fans screaming and yelling at you and all the other players trash talking you to try to distract you. You have to be able to not hear any of that. You have to be able to negatively hallucinate all the people who are, who are, um, waving their arms and other things that are behind the, 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 the um, backboard you have to just see the hoop 
and you just have to see in your mind the ball leaving your fingertips going through the net. And the more you have control of that state of consciousness, the better a player you're going to be. Wow. Mm. And um, so the, the point is, is not that being in an altered state is a bad thing. It's on the, it's on the continuum. Who's in control of it? Ideally, you're in control of your own state. And you're not uh, in the environment with someone with an uh, ulterior motive or an agenda to get you into their worldview or to get you into their organization. Man. And, and that's why when people are, are ushered into a room and the, the person at the front says, okay, before we begin, let's do a meditation. Everybody close your eyes. And float, and I'm not going to do anything <laughs> further, <laughs> but I've been to a lot of, I do yoga, I've been to a lot of meditation retreats, there's some that are really clean, there are some that are really dirty, and wow. and you don't, you want to do your research before you're in the environment, before you're listening to any CDs of people that are free on the internet, here, listen to my free meditation thing well, why is it free you know yeah oh because i want to help you <laughs> right so there was this there was this former diamond cutter named roy masters who's a cult leader i wrote about him in the book and uh, he had a radio show called how your mind can keep you free and he was saying that he's teaching people meditation but he was just doing hypnosis getting people to listen to his his uh his his meditations daily and then they would tune in and listen to him on the radio and get their programming. And um, he claimed to be sinless. He claimed to be able to do exorcisms. Ugh. Just all kinds of wow. stuff. Wow, man. Not, not a healthy person, not a good group. No. Be careful, be careful, be careful. So I've got a question for you. One of the things we've noticed um, doing this podcast and in all the, the research and exploring that John and I have done is... Um, is all about this thing that you called religious experience. Uh, some people call it mysticism, you know, having mm -hmm. experiential knowledge of the divine, of the spiritual. Uh, it's not just, um, we're sort of, a lot of people are kind of choking on the enlightenment and on modernity and on this overly cerebral approach to spirituality. And there's this rise of mysticism. There's this rise of a thirst for experience. I mean, yoga clinics, you know, yoga places popping up all over the place. You know, the, the self-help spirituality section of Barnes & Noble is growing at rapid proportions, and there's this rise of a, a, a want for this. Now, you mentioned that you, when you got recruited to the Moonies, that you had a, quote, true religious experience, but you, you, you know, realized that that was manufactured. In this rise of this thirst for religious experience and mysticism, what are some things that people can be careful of while wanting to experience spirituality what do they should be be careful of yeah so you had a quote religious experience but it was an unhealthy religious experience it was manufactured how do you see a potential for danger in this rise of a, a thirst for a mystical experience of the divine experience of spirituality um that, that well, that's really come coming I, on pretty strong in our culture well, I think I think it's a good thing 
that people are thirsty for something more. Yes. Uh, it's clear that, you know, a lot of institutions have failed us, political institutions, religious institutions. But, you know, do your homework and find out who is this person, mm. this leader? What is his or her background? Mm. Does he have a criminal record? Mm. Does he claim a PhD from where? Go and check. Is it legitimate or not? It's amazing how many people just do the big lie and assume, and people will go to a website and say, assume that it's true because they say it and it's not true. And, you know, if you value yourself, you'll spend more time learning how to be a good consumer. And that's what I'm hoping when people read my book or look at any number of the free videos on my website or come on our Facebook that they'll understand that really intelligent people who want more out of their lives have been deceived and manipulated into really unhealthy situations. And um, especially I'm wary of uh, crazy wisdom traditions where the the leader is raping you know, underage girls and saying, well, I'm enlightened, so I know what's best for them. Wow. Yeah. It's like, huh? Yeah, it's like, come on, in what universe is that okay? Right, but they would say that because they're beyond space and time. Well, look at the uh, the the fellow Shoko Asahara who did the sarin gassing in Tokyo. He convinced his brilliant followers in many cases, lawyers, doctors, military, police, that they because he was enlightened, if they died in a sarin attack at his hand, they'd go instantly to paradise. Amazing. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's, it's, it's stupid. Oh, my gosh. But, but if you accept the assumption that he's an, you know, a superior being who has greater wisdom, it's like go into yourself and find that greater wisdom, mm. not outside. And, and in my experience, the most spiritual people I've met have been the most humble, the most kind, the most compassionate, the least egotistical, not asking for money, not, not asking for power, not asking for glory. They just you know do the right thing and try to live impeccably. Those are the kind of people you want to hang out with. And yeah. um, I, 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 I am someone who loves altered states of consciousness things. I love, I do self-hypnosis, I do meditation, I do yoga, I go scuba diving, I go deep scuba diving. I love, I love listening to the sound of my breath when I'm underwater mm. floating with the fish. It, for me, that's the closest thing to being with God that exists. That's yeah. awesome. So I, I love I love where you took that because that actually uh, kind of uh, goes into my next question here, which is that I love this quote that you have. I'm going to quote you from the book here, that faith can be a wonderful thing if it's balanced by critical thinking. And I, I just would love for you to talk a little bit about how, despite the fact that you had this extraordinarily negative religious experience um, as a youth, uh, you've been able to kind of find a religious life later in life here. And you've mentioned, um, I think it was before we started recording that, that, uh, you've been, uh, practicing, uh, a religious life for the last 18 years or so. So if you could talk about that a little bit, I think that'd be really interesting. Sure. Um, so 
a common mistake people leave uh, when they leave a, a totalist religious group is 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 the phenomenon of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater and just you know wanting to be separate from whatever it was. So if it was a meditation group, they you know unless they've gotten good counseling, unless they've really done their processing of what happened to them, they they might say no to any meditation experience ever again in their life, which is a great shame. Or if they were in a Bible cult, they might never want to open a Bible or go to a, a church meeting. Um, and um, I just I just believe in being a, a spiritual consumer. I guess I believe I've always believed in in a divine that's not like an anthropomorphized projection of 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 humanity, yes. but like something beyond, but something that brings us all together. Um, on the space-time continuum, um, and uh, and however I understand God, it, 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 all the scientific laws have to apply too. Um, so I'm really into physics. I have a friend who's a radio astronomer studying black holes. Like for me, it's just utterly fascinating how little we really know about what is real. Yeah. So for me, that elicits a state of awe, yes, and wonder, and and uh, again, the the really evolved people that I've met, the older they get, the the more humble they get because they realize how little they know in the in the span of everything that is. Man, that is so true. And um, and in my case, I. Uh, Looked at Christianity in many different forms. I, I went to churches. I went to mosques. I went to to uh, Buddhism, different forms of Buddhism, Taoism, uh, atheism, and I always I always felt like a Jew deep down in my pores. And um, I guess it was about nineteen or twenty years ago the Reform movement uh, had a three. Monday course called the Taste of Judaism, which I went to as two hours, three three Mondays in a row. And as they were going over, this is what Judaism teaches. I found myself saying, "I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I believe this. I believe that." So um, that kind of like maybe I should check out Judaism again. You know, maybe there's something different than what I was raised as a kid. And I had the good fortune of seeing um, a movie called The Jew and the Lotus uh, and reading a book about it called The Jew and the Lotus by Roger Kamenetz about how um, the Dalai Lama wanted to learn how the Jews survived in exile because of his own, uh, the Tibetan Holocaust at the hands of China. Wow. Um, and uh, there were these rabbis talking about Judaism in a way that I'd never heard before. And um, and then I, I um, read a, a Globe, I live in Boston, Boston Globe article about this rabbi named Moshe Waldox, and I checked him out, and he had been a scholar, but he also was a comedian. Oh, wrote, you gotta love big, that. <laughs> the big book of Jewish humor. And <laughs> so I said, I gotta meet this guy. Oh, yeah. And and the first thing the first um time I, I I came to services at this temple in Brookline, uh he was saying, you know, the service is like a journey. 
and and it culminates in your silent prayer to the divine. When I heard that, I was like, no one's ever described service like a journey. Wow. My point is you silently connecting with the divine. I love that. And I just took him to lunch a few times and grilled him and asked him every impossible question <laughs> to see how he would respond. And I just, he, he was so non-dogmatic and just like, you know, we need joy. We need love. We need kindness. Beautiful. And yes. Pro-women's rights, pro-gay rights, pro-human rights, pro-social justice. <laughs> and you could come to shul in your torn jeans and shorts and no one was going to give you a guilt trip about it and i was like i can hang out here i could hang yeah, out there yeah. <laughs> well i think there's no better way to end than um if you could give us a little our listeners a little practical advice for how to handle a situation where maybe they think that perhaps they might be approached by someone who's representing maybe an unhealthy uh religious organization cult, what have you mm. um you know, and and how they can help even maybe a friend or relative who may be approached by by an organization like that. Hmm. Hmm. So tricky, hard question to end with, but um, you basically want to have a curious yet concerned posture. That's great. You you want to not be confrontational or judgmental or use the cult word. Uh, you want to be like, hmm, tell me about who you are. What's your name? Tell me how you came to study this. You know, what is, you know, have you ever talked with critics or former members? If not, why not? Have you ever, you know, read books like Combating Cult Mind Control? It's very interesting that I've, since the book first came out in 1988 and I did an updated edition in 2015, my book is kind of like a litmus test on on groups because I find that the healthy groups are like, oh, that sounds like a cool book. I want to read it. And people will eagerly read it. And the ones that are totalitarian or mind control-ish, they just, by the title, they don't want to, you know, they talk to their leader and, oh, that's not a good book. Um, so it's kind, kind of interesting. You can always, you know, cite me and say, what do you think of Steve Hassan? Oh, he's a devil. Uh, he's really bad. A handsome he's, devil. He's, a handsome devil. He's, an, he's <laughs> yeah. an anti-religious bigot who kidnaps people and beats, beats and tortures them, huh? Um, but literally, cults will be programmed to believe that. Now, Scientology has even some websites that say that to this day about me. Wow. Uh, which I don't do that. Um, <laughs> the main thing is is to understand that there's hope that mind control isn't 100%. It doesn't erase the person's authentic self. Wow. And I think that that the more contact a person in a destructive group has with normal people who love them and care about them and interact with them and expose them to information about the outside world, the, the more likely they're going to be able to be helped sooner than later. So good. Um, and I, I guess I just, you know, I know we're running out of time, but over the 40 years, I kind of went from deprogramming to voluntary deprogramming, which we called exit counseling, to a, a process I refer to as a strategic interactive approach, where I 
basically meet with family and friends. I bring in ex-members, sometimes private investigators, and we meet and have an intensive for a few days, and then we plan a strategy for how to ethically uh, influence someone who's in a totalist relationship or group to empower them to, to question for themselves and leave for themselves. So that's how it's evolved over time. But that's very time intensive. It's a big project. It's um, not simple, uh, but it's doable because people want to be free. They don't want to be slaves. They don't want to be manipulated and exploited. Wow. Wow. Man, that's incredible. There just could be no better time than than now with everything going on in mainstream media and everything we're hearing about how crazy the world is right now. We just Your work is so important, Steve, and thank you so much for spending some time with us and acquainting our listeners with what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, and thanks to you. And I would just want to say for the information control piece that the the major media are controlled by six basic corporations, and there's such a vital need for independent investigative journalism mm. that isn't afraid of being sued, that isn't afraid of telling the truth for the public good. And we need more of that, more funding for that kind of of uh, information the, the dispersal. And unfortunately, um, <laughs> the, the the big the big media is uh, is is not helping the planet get better. No, yeah, man. So, so thanks for your podcast. Yeah, I wish. You Yes. Uh, thank you very much. Thank and you so much. For for the folks listening, what what is the best way to uh, to stay on top of what you're up to? And if there's someone out there who's in need or they have a family member in need, what is the best way to get a, in, in touch with you? So uh, freedomofmind.com. Uh, and uh, we're very small, but we're hoping to develop training programs for mental health professionals, for activists, for families who are trying to rescue a loved one um, and uh, reading combating cult mind control and uh, freedom of mind my two books uh, are also helpful absolutely well we like I said before um, we we still look forward to this and and uh, we know yet you have a very busy and sometimes unpredictable schedule so uh, we very much appreciate uh, you taking the time out to speak with us and uh, we definitely hope to touch base with you in the future thanks so much blessings to luck. you Thanks. Take care. Thank you, Steve. Okay. Alrighty. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye bye. Seek to destroy, Mr. Boy, when you turn on the light. Tell me your name is the same in the hush of the night. I want to treat you right. All right, guys. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that one as much as we did. Um, the, the idea behind having Steve Hassan on is just a little bit of a different take, obviously, on uh, religion and, and how to approach it in a safe, safe way. But what a crazy... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, we didn't even get to half the questions we wanted. It, it just didn't even matter. Yeah. Like, I mean, that guy is just an absolute catalog of information. Talk about like talking to a true like expert. 
Yeah. You know, I know like the whole like Renaissance man thing is like, you know, being a little bit, you know, versed in everything and that and that's awesome. But man, this guy is an expert on this stuff. Crazy. Unbelievable. And what a what a wacky story. Like his personal story is so fascinating to me. Yeah. Like and I, I think the big takeaway for me and the, the, the thing that we were trying to highlight, I think, with some of our questions was the fact that this guy went from uh, kind of a more strict upbringing mm-hmm. within the church. You know, he was raised within Judaism. Yeah, super orthodox. To like kind of like going through his own like deconstruction. Right. Um, leading into college to going through a vulnerable period of time in his life. His girlfriend broke up with him um, and, and being recruited into this crazy cult. So, so crazy. So then you think when this guy leaves the cult, finally, that he would want nothing at all to do with any kind of organized religion. Right. You would always have that sense of doubt in the back of your mind. Absolutely. Like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Like, I'm not buying anything anybody's Screw selling. Screw you guys. I'm going yeah, home. I'm going home. <laughs> and yet, like, he finds uh, himself in a, with a life of faith. It's Like, amazing. further on down the line. And he cherishes it, obviously, like... I recommend his book so highly. Like he he speaks about it a little bit. There's obviously a lot of case studies and examples of other cult activity and and ways to protect yourself. But oh. his personal story and his and he still reveres that that sense of spirit spirituality and that sense of otherness, community, yeah, faith, joy, freedom, um, welcoming the other, justice. Like yeah. this should feel like a pretty healthy you know, thing. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, we all, this is kind of what we're all after Yeah. in spirituality. I think one of the things that I really appreciated about having a guy like this on the show, which would sound kind of out of left field, right? I mean, really. But what I loved about having Hassan on is that so many people um, that are listening to this program have probably wondered if they've experienced any kind of sense of like disillusionment from religion or some kind of event or some kind of uh, tragedy, some kind of trauma in their faith. They probably wonder like, man, like, was I just brainwashed as a kid into believing this? Like, was I? And, and exposing yourself to Steve's level of work really reveals that, you know, there are ways to kind of look at how to think for yourself and it doesn't mean you've got to just scrap everything like just knowing the vocabulary knowing you know the bite model knowing just to identify some of these things that he calls like undue influence that you know what like i i remember being a kid and being like man i was just brainwashed like i just didn't have a choice or whatever and now looking back and knowing some of steve's stuff like i don't really feel like that anymore and so I think that a lot of people listening to this show, this is going to clear up a whole lot of, there might be people that are wondering, like, did I just get hamstrung into believing, you know, this, that, or the other thing? And it's like, well, maybe, but focus on the fact that you, you do have the ability to have a free mind right now and to think and to take the journey and to do it yourself. Like, don't let anyone do it for you. I thought that fit in so well to what we're all about. It's not about just saying, like, yeah, it's all bad. Just burn the whole thing down. It's like, no, like you're, quit putting it on other people. Like if, first you believe by proxy and then the retaliation to believing by proxy is almost like just pure disassociation from everything, which is another kind of just, you're still letting them control you at that point. Right. Freedom of mind says, I'm going to take the journey myself. 
hundred percent, man. I could not agree with that more. I think uh, the overall theme was just like, yeah, think for yourself, take the journey, take your journey, right? Instead of letting, as you said, someone else take that journey for you. And uh, I think he had some really practical, um, kind of almost common sense methods for determining if you are entering into kind of an unhealthy uh, religious situation. So one of the things that we really were, were trying to get into, but didn't quite, you know. Um, uh, reference, I guess, specifically throughout the episode is he does define, um, and again, go out and get his book. There's so much information. There's so many stories, uh, case studies of different uh, scenarios with various different cults. And um, beyond just dealing with cults, uh, he does a ton of work with um, sex trafficking and, uh, um, and other, you know, different organizations that utilize kind of the same. Like the media. Yeah. So like, Okay, so he breaks down, there are four main types of cults. Religious cults, which are probably the ones that we're most familiar with. Sure, that's you know, Jonestown. Right, right, right. You know. The path. Yes. <laughs> we didn't get to the path on Hulu. My- Meyerism. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, if you read Steve Pass's book. Is he not dead? Meyer, is he? Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, we need to do an episode on the path. I think I think people need to read Hassan's book, then watch The Path, like I did, and I was like, "Oh, oh man, oh man." Yep, they're doing that, and oh, they're doing that. Oh my gosh! You know, uh, it, it just totally made it a, a that much more enjoyable experience for me. But so there's religious cults, there are political cults, um, there are uh, psychotherapy slash educational cults, mm. and even commercial cults. So mm. I know he references like there are, um, you know, kind of bad business practices like pyramid scheme marketing yes yeah so i mean it's not just the crazy religious you know like a bunch of dudes wearing white robes you know type of religious cult you know with the white bearded father figure you know at the top yeah yeah they yeah. come in many different uh you know many different types and styles and that sort of thing so so anyway um the bite model i think is really interesting his uh his bite model that he uses to kind of like break down what constitutes a destructive cult and we will definitely link that in the show notes and uh his website has a ton of information videos and uh um uh, speaking engagements that he's done and the guy's been on like i think every news program known to man man there's like he's been on everything he's been on oprah cnn like i mean just dr phil yeah dr phil this is the guy you call in when you want to talk about cult behavior and mind control yeah. So the important thing, though, is that the, one of the things we really want to talk about at the end was kind of ways to protect yourself. And the big thing is these are just practical ways to to just uh, the underlying theme really is just find out more information, like right. know what you're getting into. Just ask good questions. So, he, yeah, he says, you know, don't don't give them any of your personal information right off the bat. Take their information instead. Uh, research who their leader is, you know, like the leader of the organization that's approaching you. Um, and, and see if there's any negative, uh, stories, you know, like with Google now we have all this information at our fingertips. How is the organization structured? Is all the power located at the top? What is the group's doctrine? Do they freely give out information about the organization? Like if you have to pry to find out what they're all about, that's probably not a good sign. Um, and what does membership consist of? Like what are their recruitment practices? Um, you know, what does group maintenance look like? And ultimately do you have the freedom to leave? Because if you don't, that is definitely a bad sign, dude. You know, although our church locks the door as soon as you get. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry, Simon. I'm kidding. <laughs> just kidding, Simon. Kind of. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I just hope that was um 
that was uh, beneficial, uh, at the very least interesting. So interesting, man. If, um, if by chance, because we know we have a wide audience that spans, you know, over almost 70 countries um, and, and ton of different, you know, states across the United States of America. So if you know someone, if it's you or if you have friends or family members or know someone that might be in a negative situation, um, we do have some really great resources. If you go to our show notes, there's a link to Freedom of Mind. Um, their website where um, they have resources and people you can reach out to um, to help um, help that friend or family member. So if uh, if that's you or someone that you know, um, you know, don't hesitate to reach out and at least get some get some answers. Absolutely, so. man, that was fun. That was so much fun. And if you like the music, uh, it's a gentleman from England across the pond named George Cosby. Um, and, uh, you will find his information, um, in the show notes as well. You can find his music on Spotify, iTunes, uh, and all the, the major music, um, I love it. Resources. <laughs> it's there. It's yeah. there for you to find. Check it out, and man. Enjoy. He's, uh, up and coming. So, uh, he's been in a couple different magazines, you know, on artists on the rise. So, so check it out. You, you may have heard it here first, at least in the States. So. I hope so. Yeah. For his sake and for the listeners. Absolutely. You got anything else? That's it, man. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for being with us today for another episode, and uh, we will be talking at you <laughs> again soon. <laughs> Grace and peace, everyone. Keep deconstructing.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.